Welcome to this Centrum podcast. For more podcasts, or to join Centrum programs building creativity in community, visit us at centrum.org. I'm Michelle Haygood, and this is On Air, a podcast focusing on conversations with artists and creatives from Centrum's residency community. I am broadcasting to you from the lands and waters of the Coast Salish people in a place known as Katai to the Sklalem people and today known as Port Townsend, Washington. This podcast is focused on bringing artists together in community to explore the ways that place, process, and the personal intersect. We dive into the many ways that artists are responding to the current times, affecting change, and finding sustenance during health, climate, and social crisis. Join us and take an hour to be in residence and unpack your own relationships to creativity, time, and place. Thank you for being here and enjoy this episode. Hi, welcome back to another episode of On Air and a continuation of our series on queer ecologies, a series of interviews conducted by Cleo Wolfley Erskine and July Hazard. And in this interview, we get to sit down or or listen rather to uh, Cleo and July talk with Josine Velasco, who immigrated from the Philippines to the Gulf Coast of Florida and was an urban farmer in New Orleans before pursuing a master's in landscape architecture at the University of Washington, and who is now working on a thesis which reimagines the Puget Sound prairie ecological restoration through an anti-colonial and abolition framework. This conversation covers all kinds of social and climate justice questions and projects that Josine has been involved with ranging from toxic toxic prison mapping to working with tribes around chemist fields and tribal relationships with major institutions and scientific research. Just a really full query and inspiring world of directions that citizens and artists and scientists and climate activists can all situate themselves within as we think about our presence uh, within these ecologies. So I hope you can go outside, look at something growing or breathing or feeling as you listen to this and enjoy. Also, this conversation had a few recording challenges, so please embrace the texture of this um, moment that has been captured that includes birds and planes and rumblings of the wind, and it really uh, pulls, pulls all of those things into place, which is actually very appropriate for this conversation. Enjoy. Here we are with the chickens. Josie Velasco. Hey. Leo Hazard. And 
It was nice how we were just talking about yeah. other stuff before. But do you, so basically we're interested in, well I, <laughs> but this is all coming out of <laughs> conversations that we've had before. But yeah, this question of like, what, like what would expansive queer ecology be and how could we find out about that by talking to queers? That's cool. Yeah, I love that. It's so nice. <laughs> it's so nice. It's like, finally, <laughs> you know? It's like, I mean, where has this... Yeah, well, I mean, not finally, meaning, like, it doesn't need that for its legitimacy, but it's, like, nice to be able to start, kind of, you know? Yeah. It's just, like... Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like we've been doing this, yeah, like in our own ways, but it hasn't been a thing that we've talked about really, or yeah, I haven't like formally put out as hey, this is a thing. That I don't think that's been the thing that I mean, you know, that it's expressly, and it's also kind of pretty. What I I'm hoping it would probably be multicultural, right? Yes, like, absolutely. yeah, yeah. I think I think it's wonderful, you know. I think it's not uh, like the idea of um, like even the the like what was in my head when you were talking about that karuk like title, you know, like of it looking good. There's like a level of aesthetic mm-hmm. that is to me very queer, right? And science is never like that. Right. <laughs> you know, it's never superfluous. It's never extra. It can't be because it has to fit and it has to make sense. And queerness to me, it's expansive in that way that it's like audacious, which I feel like plants are like audacious. You know what I mean? Right. Like, And it's like brimming, you know? And and that's, like, how I feel about poetry and science. You know, like, where it doesn't have to make sense for it to be, like, it exists and there's, like, a lot of beauty in it. Um, that's, like, maybe life-giving, but also, like, extra of that. There's, like, more to it than that, I think. That's not so rooted in, like... Uh, the mechanics or like the systems or it's like production or whatever just like that there's more to it other than that so yeah and I feel like one of the things when I was yeah being trained as a scientist and all that access you know beauty or feeling or <laughs> um just yeah I don't know wild like abandoned you can't write about that in your science paper right, right. <laughs> so where does that go like can that uh, well first what would happen if you could write in your science paper <laughs> <laughs> you yeah know, can we can we have this other do something with that that other part too yeah and can you sneak that in mm-hmm. you know what I mean I feel like that like our the course that I took with y'all was like that kind of like sneaking it all in <laughs> well I notice because I keep my eyes and ears open because I do those things as well try to find ways like yeah like kind of more 
clandestine things, you know, um, clandestine, like, narratives or whatever, and you have to do that, you know, because if you're, because if you're, like, trying to sell something, which is, like, what we have, like, ideas or whatever, what happens with all these other, like, nuances and, like, excess? You have to, like... (laughs) You get in. <laughs> yeah, I really like this conversation about excess and exuberance. It makes yeah. me think a couple of things. And one is the stuff that I do around around the idea of waste and trying to figure out queer waste. Oh, and, cool. And, and a way that waste can be something that is like exuberant and generous as a concept, and not just you know about poison. Yeah, totally. You know, the ideas around trashiness are in there as well, right? Which is yep. a very quick corner of aesthetics. Yep. Uh, as well as a very class inflected corner. Totally. And the other thing is making me think of those that old, that old, what do you call it, old saw, old chestnut about about beauty and truth and truth and beauty is it is it Keats the the equation between those and I think that sometimes when science aesthetics are in charge they want to use that as a way to be like reductive about what beauty gets to be mm. and like pare it down to where it's just truth. Yes. There's this other way that you can do that where you where you try to be more expansive or more exuberant. Yeah. And you say actually all of this excess, all of this yep. exuberance is the bare minimum of what's necessary for <laughs> truth to happen. Right? And you can you can kind of work that both ways. I don't know. So that's what I was thinking about yeah. And that to me like is really I think about the South and the Southeast when I think about that kind of like that excess or that trash. To me it's like even the plant life is like producing so much litter you know what i mean it's like producing it's hot and it's like just keeps bringing that out to like add to the fecundity of like mm. everything you know and, and that's a smellscape there's a smellscape of it that's what i was just thinking about the last time we were in Nora. Like, <laughs> yeah. so hot in that like floral like it's heady yeah. yeah it's like heady and and it's like every crack like every you know it can't help but be full of life, you know. Even the like, like the f- like bad things, like spores, you know. It just can't help but be like totally buzzing and alive, you know. Well, maybe since you guys are both here, and one of the things I really want to talk about was uh, place. And you mentioned the southeast. Uh, is that a, a place that, or, or yeah? Could you just talk a little more about queer ecology? in that place or what that how how your idea of great qualities might have been shaped by yeah yeah i think it's definitely um for me it's always kind of like it's really different whenever you write for like submissions you know like you're about you or you're you're uh, whatever how you introduce yourself it's always kind of like these things that kind of make sense that would make sense to authorities or whatever authority figures but it's like for me it's like really thinking about expansive it is kind of more like region like to me it's like the tropics and the subtropics are like what I find and within that is like also it's like the socio like like the I don't know sociotropic like that kind of like the niche that like kind of person to person like how they interact is also very region based and that's you know like um 
like in New Orleans, which is like very different than where the the floor like in Florida where I grew up in the Gulf Coast, it's different in that like, you know, that niche really had like a lot of like super flirtatious, like super like it's hot, but it's like festive. And so a lot of it would be like even like, you know, mask to mask relationships would be like full of like using like sweet names like baby like referring to each other as like my baby or whatever and I like like that is really to me that kind of like intimacy can only exist in like well I find that it exists a lot in hot places um and you know uh sexuality or like burying your skin you kind of like make a culture of the warmth or the climate of that place you know and that's like yeah and it's so for me and like being loud is like really like site-based or like place-based and I don't know I like and that's to me like yeah effusive kind of excess I feel is very place-based and you know plants are like that so people like are like that as well I find I would like to say, do you think do you think the humidity comes into that as well as? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's yeah. like humidity mixed with like probably electricity. You know, it's like <laughs> talk about that, please. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah, totally. You walk down at night, you know, like you'd walk down at night and places where there are like street lights. Or there's not. Like, you can hear wires. Like, you can hear the electric wires buzzing. Yeah, and, and that's, that's like because thick. of the humidity, right? I never thought about that, but you hear it so much more yeah. than you do here. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I feel like, yeah, everything is kind of reverberating. And that's like, yeah, it's just, it feels really full. And I've always kind of, yeah, the heat, everything, humidity. It's like its own kind of person, you know? And I, like, really identify with that, actually. Like, coming here was really different. Um, it felt really different coming here. Because it's, like, I mean, it is also, like, full of moisture. Right, but it's... <laughs> it's cold! Moisture. Yeah! <laughs> And, yeah, it's malt. Yeah, I don't know. Something, something about that cold. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. You could do a cool like microbial ecology. I would love to do that. Yeah, I was just actually reading up because you know I'm working on that Camas. I'm working on like the Camas yeah. Meadows and um at the Burke, and I found an article or an um. I think it was uh, this person's dissertation, and um, I think she's indigenous, and she was trying to figure out the um, the mycological and like the fungal communities within like a camas oh, plants, so, and so cool. yeah, and and she was like talking about the like how you do it, um, which is pretty it's like dna sequencing and stuff it, it seemed really hard but i was like oh my gosh that's so interesting yeah. it would be interesting to do that yeah. 
comparing yeah. yeah for sure yeah the way you're talking about the the places really um reminds me of Munoz and the brown commons and he has like that opening line of you know the brown commons is you know people and places and sounds and feelings and just you know the way that he doesn't say the way that the air moves or the humidity but it's but like that sensory experience of um, a place I think is part of yeah yeah and like and and like the part of that too is like the processes that you can't like it's like it feels like like aesthetics mixing with like the processes like and those feelings that you get from like experiencing and embodying those like processes like you know things deteriorate really fast and so and you know I, I was outside all the time doing my farming but I also saw that with um, kind of the social gatherings, like, you know, we would be driven to go to the edges where like, um, you know, like, like queer spaces would be like in these like abandoned kind of like rotting things, you know? And so, yeah, where you can like kind of hide. And I feel like that's like also a thing there that's like part of my queer ecology, you know? That's like, I, uh, when Mardi Gras, I DJ'd at um, this abandoned burned out wharf. And it was, the theme was like around time, actually, which is funny. And, you know, I just like, that scope to me, that's like, as part of, you know, the environment and ecology is everything else. You know? So could you describe one of those spaces? Because I, I always think of those spaces as queer spaces. Yeah. Too. Like more in San Francisco was where yeah. I encountered them. But maybe just give a picture of like what that is and why it's queer, like the specific place. Well, I feel like, you know, in terms of like excess, excess is like, when I think of queerness, I think of excess. And excess has, uh, like, it, to me, it has like, um, it's like a quantified thing so it's too much of something and so there there is that standard of what is like normative and and what is outside of that norm is criminal and to me there's like a certain level of queerness that is criminal and so you have to and for just for existing right that you have to move into spaces and that looks that's in a spatial and a time like a temporal sense is like nighttime and you know and uh it's at the edges of like where you know safety would be um so it would be in like abandoned you know <laughs> abandoned uh, wharfs that's on the edge of like the river where you know people aren't going to find you that easily uh and and but but it's also like really it um so yeah it's at nighttime but it can also be a daytime you know i feel like it's also in the daytime it's in the daytime you know in like the queer beach you know um where it's like just 
yeah, kind of being nude is and letting the water, like letting your whole body feel the water, you know, that's like, yeah. And, and also like, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just being outside. I feel like it's being outside and being your true self is kind of the true selves, I think, true selves, like, with other queers, that's, like, a really, and you're, like, really embodied, like, you're really feeling it all, that's, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and there's so few spaces where that can Exactly, happen. exactly, and, um, yeah, where the thread of, you know, the thread of, uh, violence or... Yeah, the threat of violence wouldn't affect you. Or if if it does, you know, you don't care, you know? Yeah. But since we have this shared interest in uh, kind of planning and restoration in rivers, yeah. I want to pick up on one piece of what you just said um, around these abandoned wharf spaces which were also so formative to my like becoming as like a queer trans person genderqueer person um, yeah in the bay area and it was like well what do you want to do for a really great date like find this abandoned place that not that many people know about and draw yep. some elaborate map <laughs> yep. and, you know yep. description of all the sexy things that are going to happen <laughs> and it might happen in the afternoon and people are yep. you know if they're there it's because they're you know making a mural or doing something yep. else illicit yep. and they're not going to yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're um, minding their own business, like yeah. you. Yeah. And, and, and the, those are also, you know, the spaces where, like, ecology as the non-human sometimes creeps back in. So I um, worked at this waterfront park in San Francisco that was owned by the port that had been this failed landfill project where they wanted to build a new pier. And then because of the politics of shipping and the Oakland... Uh, or the San Francisco port strike mm. in 1968 all the shipping shifted to Oakland and they never finished building the pier funny was all this like construction debris and just toxic crap that like sank into the bay yeah and then 30 years later had grown up into this beautiful marsh with birds and these rare plants and then so I was working out there like as like the port's kind of interpretive environmental yeah. person and just got really interested in all these different spaces that yes were toxic but also had this kind yes. of vitality and vibrancy that some of the like wetland restoration projects didn't really have and yeah. the contrast at that moment was between this place which was called Heron's Head Park and was in the southeast right next to a power plant yeah uh, poor black community yeah uh, right next to super fun sites and just totally neglected by the official yeah. restoration infrastructure and versus Chrissy Field, which is like on the north side by the Golden Gate Bridge and this like beautiful landscaped marsh yeah. the designers messed up and made the marsh like six inches too high so the plants never grew so they, and it yeah. never really like functioned as a wetland Funny. whereas you're here in the like decrepit neglected yeah. southeast and, and, it, and there's this like ecological vitality and also just this real human use yeah. that is around uh, fishing, that's around contemplation, again like this aesthetics, just taking yep. in this quiet place. Not that people weren't doing that at Chrissy Field, but there it's much more people are like 
jogging or walking their yeah. dogs or like you know these different forms of but it's like but I always so you know those are like the type of spaces that I that inspire me as well you know like I mean from growing up in the Gulf Coast of, of Florida like the resort beaches weren't like for you you know you had to pay to get in and most of the places that I would go to would be like yeah somewhat like you know um stagnant like sinks you know where I've gotten like trichomoniasis before <laughs> like honestly I mean or like you know yeah like there's this place Anclote Key which is like like across from it you know it's like this water body you can like go and and um kayak and stuff in it but you eat the power plant is right there you know for sure but I, and like I and those are places that generate a lot of memory and a lot of identity that shape my like my feel like the, my interests or whatever at the same time I like I want to keep it keep them a secret or something because it feels like uh there's this like kind of uh a need when money is involved when property is involved where land is involved for um like a commercial commercial like aspect you know like a like a profitability for it that part of the like development engine is to get rid of those kinds of places I mean that's like in my future profession that's like right. all they do right. <laughs> you know yeah so I, I like a, a part of me is like how do you I it, like part of where I feel like where I would feel like queerness as a like as a politic could actually maybe reconcile or or take a stance against it you know yeah. what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. What, is, what are the queer politics of landscape architecture I, yeah that's like yeah and thinking yeah, about think with, that yeah what are the queer politics of you know river restoration yeah Duwamish or something. Right. There's this need to remove some of the contaminated sediments and, you know, create more parks and all that. But, like, what happens to the, like, cruising park? Right. You know, that doesn't get planned for. Yeah. Official plans. The, The cruising park, you know, like the... Yeah, the places where, like, people are able to use in peace or like you know where where camp people out camp out you know yeah we're we're all those like like yeah the excess like of of you know where is like the social excess gonna go yeah is there even yeah because yeah I, I i guess one of my my interests in this project is like is there is the queer position to try to like tweak those official processes so that there's space for that or is it always this kind of illicit outsider like resistance just negation of that right and then and if it's the negation which I think is yeah like the Munozian like punk right kind yeah. of part of the brown comments piece then yeah then then what do you, like what do we as practitioners in these spaces who are 
queer and identifying with this queer ecology. Like, what do we do? I, yeah. I mean, for, for a really long time, for me, before I went back to school, because, you know, I was gone for 10 years before I even decided to go back and get my master's. I was, like, very steadfast in kind of keeping my politic, like, like keeping my a certain part of myself separate from my study or how I how I present and how like the things that I say there was like a level of kind of sense like self-censorship that because I felt like because those parts of myself are like illegal or like too much you know and so and and I still kind of think think that I think if I was to really analyze like the mechanics of this whole thing I have to and I and I do feel it not that I do feel confident enough that I can be like I can show my true self and also um and still be able to discern you know what is like awful about this like whole field and yeah. like what isn't but yeah. I I do feel like there's a level of me that wants to negate it and I still kind of I do want to or at least kind of like have that kernel be like the thing that pushes it to a different place um yeah the kind of question it all the time you know yeah yeah i definitely relate to that for sure but i think i think there is like a level of i want to be more open because i feel like collaboration is like really crucial i, w I wouldn't be able to do any of the kind of work that i would want to do right except for like with other people you know yeah yeah and i think that that kind of maybe gets to yeah another thing that i was interested in talking about which is um yeah what are the kind of affinities or solidarities or commitments that queer colleges could or should have like yeah what other struggles might be um yeah tied to oh, all of it yeah. yeah necessary for like queer ecology to like center and foreground but also to reach out beyond yeah those i mean i think for me you know what i like why i chose landscape architecture was like specifically to work in urban landscapes and urban ecologies and i feel that those those kinds of um those kinds of landscapes are the most uncanny and like the most uh, insidious if we're not really kind of reflecting on them, you know, and, and I feel like once you do start parsing those out in terms of like how, wh why does the city look like the way that it does, then you start kind of like, oh, you're, you start finding like, you know, during in 2016 in in new orleans was you know like alton sterling and like it was after ferguson and so there was a lot of movement around um police brutality and also uh uh white supremacist statues and so you know that is like that's part of that's it seems so every day and uncanny but to who you know mm -hmm. and and i think like it's it's like kind of this like memorialization of of a narrative that is 
of white supremacy and and of of like Jim Crow, you know, and that's and you start kind of and like and then you start like for me at least I started relating that with like well yeah these are landscapes of power obviously and um, and it's not just like it's it, it, it's not just like statues. It's all these other things that frame it. It's all the space that frames that in order for that to exist. And that includes, like, the land and it includes, you know, the plants. And so, but for me, I mean, like, having grown up in the South and kind of being discerning enough and and growing up in, like, a punk kind of culture, you know, there are these definite and like and then also becoming like politicized in terms of like anarchism for me you know the things that I really strongly strongly aligned with was like prison and police abolition and so you know and and I really uh, like and as like that has grown to include landscapes and ecology in general you know I really align myself with different affinity groups and different kind of um organizing bodies that do work around that and there's this um there's this crew um fight toxic prisons uh, do you know them i've seen stuff but i don't know them yeah personally yeah. yeah they so they do i'm actually like i just did a work day like a, a little work day with them before oh, cool. i came here and they mostly i mean they're kind of dispersed um but they do a lot of work around um, organizing with uh, folks on the inside. So it's like inside, outside. Um, and they do a lot of work around um, solidarity during hurricane seasons. So, you know, like during like the summer is like a really big time for like, okay, how can we, you know, how can we like, so that that's like one aspect like how can we give them access to water like how like how can we get people from like the public to understand like what's going on in there um but it's not only that they've also just been doing work around um i think doing this like uh toxic prison mapping they were actually able to um they were like so so part of it is like water um, there was also, I think, I forget what it was, but it's, um, it's a disease that's in central California. It's like, uh, but it was like, it's, it's, they had found this like disease that's related to, um, the conditions in the prison during like summertime in central California that was like really, uh, like, um, impacting like a lot of black and brown people and, yeah, and then, like, also, like, like where position, like, where prisons are, right, in the landscape, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're on, like, toxic sites, mm-hmm. which are also in relation to, like, native, like, reservations, yeah. you know, yeah. sometimes it is, like, in close proximity to those, yeah. you know, and so, I mean, that is all, like, super tied to, like, place, yeah. and... Yeah, and so I just, yeah, I was, like, really interested in that, and I think, like, you know, just the idea of, like, unnatural disasters, like, affecting a population that 
are contained, like, are detained. It's like, you know, it's, that's something that I feel like I have some skill set or at least, like, can, yeah. Whether that's communication or mapping or just, like, being outside and and not inside, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Um, well, I think that all those issues also that are, you know, everything from the, like, microbial ecology of these clusters to this, like, climate change-driven, you know, excessive or hurricanes yeah <laughs> yeah is all such a like central part of ecology but it's not necessarily what um, the more like popular version of ecology is right which is maybe more just plants and animals and like yeah you know, green spaces or something uh, but not these more yeah ecological um dynamics that are yeah yeah, and it's just like... In Humans th- are inside of him. Yeah. So <laughs> and also kind of like thinking about envisioning, right? Like like, like, envisioning, you know, so much of landscape architecture, at least of what I am supposed to gather from um, my studios is like envisioning, like, you know, like the temporal aspect of it is that like it's 100 years forward and 100 years back or 200 years forward and 200 years back. And how much of that is always posited on things like staying the same, you know, and that we still assume that there's going to be, or that should, there should still be prisons or, you know. And so, and when I think about prisons, like, geographically, it's also like acres and acres of land that are, you know, oftentimes, like, built, like, in toxic sites and, like, are, and and are not permeable and you know what would it mean to you know what would ecological restoration look like if we account for that for prison abolition as well yeah yeah, yeah you know like how can we because you know these are talk about the fringe spaces like those are like that and talk about excess it's like that's where yeah that's where we you know try to forget you know so yeah and how how yeah yeah and what if ending toxic prisons you know meant creating a restoration economy in those places yeah and with those people right, right. instead and you know what if that was like okay now the prison is not there but here is this kind of like reparations in some sense to the land and to uh, people who are inside and kind of create a this place also yeah yeah what is it yeah i mean i mean we'd have to drastically change like what kind of like our i think i think there is no there's no drastically changing how we interact with the land without addressing how we interact with you know the like most disenfranchised like people like there's just no way like there's just no way so yeah and to actually think about yeah how we deal with people in prison and queers or any other disenfranchised people within the context of ecology I think then would really change that science if you're thinking about ecology as a science yeah Um, right but that's not how it's taught or no imagined yeah at least not 
not when it really kind of matters early on you know like I mean you can be learning about these things like as you're older but not when you're you know Blue Jays age or right. like you know what I mean yeah. oh I was wondering yeah I just wondered if you would talk about um a specific project it could be like a project or a landscape architecture project you just talked about this activist project but um yeah, like thinking about one and, and saying a little bit about it, partly just to get to share your own work, but also yeah. to, think about, to think about that specific project yeah. in relation to pre-ecologies. Yeah, so um, what uh, I think the last time that I was in our, like your fresh workshops, um, I was still kind of parsing out even like uh, thoughts on my thesis, my potential thesis. Um, but I was actually, I had this, um, this chance to, um, do a research project to, uh, hopefully build a management plan, um, for the Camas Meadows at the Burke Museum in Seattle. And all that really means is just kind of basically, like, trying to experiment to see, how can we tend this like really really super endemic um, and super super culturally significant um, to so many Coast Salish tribes you know if not all of them like how can we me and my faculty advisor like uh, work with you know the tribal liaison and, and hopefully maybe work with um, uh, indigenous students to um kind of experiment and what like what what uh yeah how do we tend to it um and so uh we got funding through the campus sustainability fund for the summer um uh, me and ken who's the chair for landscape architecture we applied we we wrote a, up a proposal for it um the thing was that it was you know it was uh a project that already was designed and, and constructed uh -huh. and so and so much of landscape architecture usually it's like it ends mm. then you know it ends after it's been constructed and maybe like a year after um but like what happens to what what is like accountability what does accountability look like for the health if, if we're, we're talking about plants as our relations like like what is the accountability for that for the people who who you know quote unquote designed this like and so we wanted to we also essentially just wanted to see if we can um introduce a fire regime wow. <laughs> on campus and just to say yeah the first just, museum is on the UW campus yeah 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 very very urban environment it's also going to be like it's you know that where where that the chemist meadows like that landscape is is going to be a main thoroughfare for where if if and when the um the light rail station you know it's going to be a main like axial point um so there's like a potential for a lot of learning a lot of like educational aspects but it can also mean like well what is like so, like, and part of it to me is kind of, like, uh, part of the, like, queer ecologies, like, aspect for me is, like, what is considered, uh, like, pure and, like, kind of what is clean, what is, um, 
enough to eat what's you know like those are the things that I want to kind of like have conversations with um especially the the collaborators that we're going to be working with um around like what is you know what is deemed clean and for them and what you know for the people who will be using it but also like how can we stretch those like limits of that kind of narrative um because it is in an urban space and we have all of these uh you know i think like it's been called like third landscapes where there's all of these like like excessive um parts of the landscape in urban places that um are just given to quote-unquote weeds what does it look like if we start kind of planting things that you know work in relation with us and and then maybe that can also tease out things that like well if this is like really toxic how can we have it not be so toxic (laughs) and then you know it kind of pulls those like you know those like relevant and I feel like pragmatic like questions to because it's right next to it it, to the north of it is the parking lot and it dips down because it's it's you know it's a it's a it's a gary oak ecosystem it's supposed to be like designed to be and so it's like it kind of bowls right there um and yeah there's like it's it's not just camas uh but there's like all sorts of other kind of prairie native species there right you have this issue with well, okay, there's water from the parking lot, but there's also everything else that goes on, you know, oil and all that. Exactly, yeah, PCB, everything, you yeah. know. And then on top of that, there's also, like, you know, kind of tribal relations and, like, how... I don't think, like, the Burke is has had, like, the... You know, I think it's, like, trying, but it's, you know, it's I think it's having to address a lot of things, um with different tribes you know and so I feel like there's all of these other mechanics like there are all these other things of doing things in a good way that uh, outside of just like uh like physical toxins there's also these like like metaphysical spiritual toxins that we should also be like thinking about yeah and And the museum is such a exactly yeah yeah how is um, the tribal liaison and other tribal communities. So I've, I've primarily we we're trying to work closely with um, with Polly um, Olson, who is the main tribal liaison with uh, uh, with the Burke. So she's been kind of with us all the way. Um, she's so great. She's so great. She did this amazing presentation for the cutting students who came up. Last year, I mean, very informal, but yeah, yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. just like I mean, like I'm just, I mean, and I have to say, I I don't like we didn't pursue it in a good way from in the beginning, and and we are learning from her, and and that has been like he's very straight up, and she's like, I mean, she hasn't she hasn't been afraid to like kind of straight up yell at me, and that's like I'm like yes, please, you know, I need to like yeah, this is real you know as like yeah totally and and i feel like so we've been primarily working with her but we've also um we've introduced the research project with the um intellectual house um specifically with isaac sicha and um 
and hopefully kind of like trying to see if there is a way to hopefully hire like a, a native student at some point to right. do this research project to have it work for their own thing um and then also which is just like also to hopefully open up a conversation around why isn't there like a recruitment process for landscape architecture or the department or like the the college as a as a whole like why isn't there like a recruitment in the same way that like I feel like you know uh the like um college of the environment might have you know that would be nice yeah yeah i mean but uh, we, i mean at least you guys are kind of have those but that's not even like really a thing that we're yeah there we're, you know so that was like kind of bridging that gap hopefully to um this can be like one of hopefully many future like real collaborations or you know so yeah that's that was we haven't been able to I think I think COVID really has affected um those kinds of more like informal you know ways of meeting and and connecting and and I wish there was a way to to you know to kind of connect more with um like with the tribes who've because uh, there there have been tribal members who've planted portions of that camas meadows and it would be great at some point you know it, but i just don't in terms of resources you know i don't know just meeting with them feels like but that is like a, a priority that we want to yeah it's have. so hard to know like in the work that i was doing uh down on the Klamath River, it's simultaneously this really hard time and everyone has, yeah, commitments to family and wanting to protect one another, and, yeah. but also, yeah, real, um, just like fears around just isolation and lack of connection, right, to plants and to yeah. intergenerational harvesting spaces and yeah. things like that, and so, uh, yeah, I've been trying to kind of navigate that too. Hey, if this is helpful to yeah. meet outside and to do some things outside, then in a safe way at a distance, and let's do that. And if it's yeah. not the right time, then you know, we're here for the long haul. But yeah, but it seems like gardening at the Kari, the youth interns were they have this new beautiful farm like on the other side of the creek at Tishanik, um, and they basically said, yeah, okay, food sovereignty is important in the time of the pandemic, so we will let these interns, like, work and yeah. on the farm, so yeah. to stand, and that's been, I think, a really, and the farm has been, it was kind of a great time to start it, because a lot of people are, yeah. you know, yeah, wanting food, but also just, like, needing to needing be, to be yeah, outside and totally. connecting with the yeah. plants, and just, you know, through, yeah, you know, work yeah yeah I, that's it's funny because that also like aligns with you know the like the uprising and just like the the formation of like chop yeah. chaz like was 
uh, yeah, I felt like it was like this really intense like explosion of that kind of like you have this like really intense like political like this this protest ground, uh, you know, but also like with COVID, it's just like the need to be the need to be like enacting change outside. It doesn't have to be, like, a logical thing. Like, people were wanting to just go and do it. And also, at the same time, there was, like, that... Also, that need to be growing stuff as part of, like, kind of, like, enacting that change, too, you know? Yeah, and so many people were doing... Yeah. Yeah, that garden was such a beautiful convergence of that. Yeah. Thank you for being the first... Oh, really? I was the first first one? one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, which was, um, I know for me, um, incredibly enriching and uh, I think will be a touchstone for me as I continue to think about this work. And I just want to thank Josine and Cleo and July for all of the hard work and thought that went into that and stay tuned for more. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Centrum podcast. The creator and host of On Air is Michelle Hagwood, program manager for artist residencies. Our cover artwork is by Leon Finley and our music is by Tabor Dark. Centrum's executive director is Robert Berman. Centrum podcasts are produced by Taven Dotson, Owen Rowe, and Holly Miller. Our executive producer is Joe Gillard. With gratitude and respect, we acknowledge that we broadcast from the traditional lands of the Coast Salish peoples, from the place known by the Sklalem people as Katai, and today called Port Townsend, Washington. Centrum programs are based at Fort Warden State Park in Port Townsend. Centrum was founded in 1973 to foster creative arts experiences that change lives and is dedicated to building a world of greater inclusion through the arts. Other Centrum podcasts include music from the Centrum archives, interviews with teaching artists, and readings from the Port Townsend Writers' Conference. To subscribe to any of our podcasts or to support or participate in Centrum programs, visit our website at centrum.org. Thank you for listening. This podcast is copyright 2020 Centrum Foundation. Thank you.